Welcome to the Connect Your Health to Life coaching podcast. I'm your host, Seth Lusk. I'm a master certified self-image coach and empowered health coach with a decade-long background working in the health and wellness industry. If you're anything like me or the clients that I work with, then you're probably struggling with body image, self-image, or confidence issues. You're probably also trying to figure out why it is that you have these amazing desires for living your healthiest and most fulfilling life, but you can't seem to create consistent actions in your life to reflect those desires. So join me as we dive in deep on what it means to live a fulfilled and authentic life. We're going to look from the perspective of an empowered mindset and uncover reasons why you might be what's holding yourself back from living your most fulfilling life. I'm going to break through some of the biggest illusions and myths that we've all been taught to believe along the way. And I'm so excited to have you with me on this journey. So my only question for you is, are you ready to start living your most authentic and fulfilling life once and for all? Then let's get started, shall we? Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. For those of you listening in for the first time, welcome, welcome. Um, I have a special guest here today. Her name is Coach Laura. She comes to us from the UK. Really exciting. Um, Laura is a career and relationship coach, and I brought her on today because we have some similar values in our coaching practices that I thought would make for an interesting conversation for us to have today for you all to learn a little bit more about um, self-awareness, decision-making, and negative self-talk. So we're going to talk about that today. Before we dive into that, though, um, I would like to give Laura a minute to introduce herself, um, tell you all a little bit about her and her journey into becoming a relationship and career coach. So Laura, do you want to say hi to everyone and tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, of course. Um, hi, everyone who's, who's tuning in. Thank you, Seth for having me on um, on your podcast today. I'm really excited to have a chat and and see where our kind of similarities line up and to kind of share our, our coaching experiences, essentially. Um, but yeah, a bit about me. Um, I'm Lara. Um, I mainly help millennials rewire their mindset to kind of elevate uh, their career and, and relationships. And, and that's my focus. And I've been doing this for a number of years. I actually um, started off as, as a mindset coach. And then as, as time kind of progressed, it became more specified into uh, the areas of relationships and, and career. But yeah, it's a, it's a very rewarding process. And I've seen so much positivity in terms of kind of um, developing these relationships with clients and helping them achieve their goals in the best way that they can. Um, but yeah, so everyone who's listening in, do um, do reach out to me if, if needed. My um, Instagram is at Vibes with Lara, and it'll be great to kind of hear from some of you as well. But yeah, so let's get started on this uh, podcast. I'm pretty excited to um, to um, make a start and discuss all our topics. Okay, so um, you mentioned that you know you you enjoy doing your coaching because it's very rewarding for you and for me as well. I think. As a coach, if coaching is not rewarding for you, then then maybe the the field is not the best field for you to be working in. So, <laughs> tell me for you, what is the what is the most rewarding aspect of coaching? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, definitely it would be when 
you're able to see strengths in people that they are not able to identify for themselves. And that is so rewarding. And people are so fixated almost on their kind of areas of improvement or or negative points that they perceive that they often fail to do, I guess, a a strengths analysis on their strengths and areas that they excel in and, and areas that they do so well in. And, um, yeah, an example of this is I worked with a client and she she struggled with public speaking and she struggled with kind of being able to present to larger audiences or even within her own friendship circle when it was a, a large group of friends around her. She did kind of feel quite anxious, but she didn't realize that actually um, the way she can articulate her points w- was very strong. And if she just kind of, I guess, um, got over those barriers to communication her communication skills were actually I guess top notch so kind of working on that and making um making her understand and gain that insight into into her strengths almost helped her overcome those barriers a lot easier but again it's so important to to be able to identify our strengths and otherwise go to coaches so they can kind of help you help you figure out um, your strengths and, and identify that in terms of kind of progressing your journey further but it would be great to hear about you as well what as a coach to coach <laughs> what is the most rewarding aspect of it for you Seth uh, so for me it's seeing people for the first time kind of the look on their face and the way that they start talking when they recognize I'm like really changing something this time. It's not, mm-hmm. I'm not resisting myself. I'm not battling myself here. Um, you know, I'm not afraid to take a step here in this direction because I know that I've got my back this time. And for me, seeing this um, sort of light up inside of a person for the first time in their life is so rewarding to me because that's what I'm in this for is I I love seeing lives change from a position of feeling completely disempowered and feeling like they're not getting anywhere and that, you know, life is just against them and that they can't get anything done. And then seeing them step into that, that position of becoming fully aware, but not only fully aware of themselves, being able to look at all aspects of themselves with love and compassion, and then watching the strengths come up. Um, as you said, it's it's so important for people to be able to to see and recognize their strengths. And I think we're taught from such a young age to kind of play small, you know, and don't be arrogant, you know, don't don't pay attention to your strengths. You know, it's always looking out there. Other people need to tell you what it is that you're good at. Other people need to to tell you the the things that you're not good at and what you should be doing and shouldn't be doing with your life. And uh that kind of brings us to the first thing we wanted to talk about today is we discussed a few weeks ago, we wanted to talk about self-awareness. And I think this, this really ties into what we're saying here, you know, understanding our strengths and seeing how us in and of ourselves are creating a lot of our own um, blocks in our life and, and holding us back from going after the goals that we have. So tell me, uh, tell me a little bit about, your experience in working with clients on self-awareness what's one of i know you said that that people don't understand their strengths um is that the biggest area that you see people lacking in when it comes to their self-awareness 
Yeah, um, no, that's that's a great point. When I'm working with, I guess, any client, I would start off by, I guess, getting to know them a bit. And then uh, the first port of call would usually be to, to focus on self-awareness. Because without that self-awareness, how do we move forward? How do we help them achieve their goals? That kind of thing. And that's that's so important. And it's kind of integral to, to coaching, as, especially, you know, people reach out to me often, especially on um, Instagram, uh, and, they, and they ask, what is, I guess, the, the value in coaching? Why can't I just speak to my friends or my family? But really that, that objectivity that we can bring and that fresh insight and provided that we have this kind of wealth of experience um, really can change their lives for, for the better. So that is definitely something to bear in mind. Um, and of course, your friends and families, they always have different views on, on your strengths, on your areas of improvement. So it's really good to have that sort of objective feedback. And that is something I definitely focus on in, in the beginning when I'm looking at self-awareness. And um, being from a, a more corporate background, there's a there's a business analysis uh, strategy actually and it's called the five wise technique so when when a company is trying to find the root cause of uh, a fall in a fall in profits a decrease in efficiency etc the technique is to ask why five times and you will get to the root cause of that problem now it's it's funny how that's quite a I guess transferable technique because I've often used it with clients, which is which is so strange to say, but um, it, it works. Why do you feel a certain way, and then why does that make you feel a certain way? And if you get down to the actual um, root cause of that, you can start building from there. And that's part of self awareness as well to be aware of why we are actually in the position that we are in and why we actually want to improve that position or be in a different place. Yeah, absolutely. And you nailed it there. This, the, the question of why I think is one of, I mean, you know, as coaches, we ask a lot of questions. That's kind of part of our job is to, and how we offer the objectivity that a lot of times family and, and friends can't offer is because sometimes they've already in their mind, they already have a so labeled and such a construct of an image of us that there, there aren't any questions left to ask. And so us as coaches, we don't know you and we have the ability to hear your story and hear how you're speaking it as if it's just a fact, as if it's just the truth, but we can hear how there, there are some, there's some little parts in the story where it's like, Hmm, well, we could actually look at that a little bit differently. So why is it that you want to look at it this way? What is it that, and that why question really just kind of opens up the doors to seeing so much about, um, you know, the things that we're doing in our lives and how we're creating the results that we're creating. I think another powerful part of this, this question, why though, and why working with a coach to go through this, the five whys is that when we're, when we're asking ourselves the question why, if we haven't worked with a coach and haven't gotten into the practice of this, why can almost become a very resistive and judgmental question, you know? And, and with, with coaches, it's kind of like the, the way, what we're trying to get to is we want you to see things clearly, but without the judgment. Um, what do you have to say about that? Uh, you're, you're nodding your head here. So I feel like there's, there's a lot to say here about this, this self-judgment that comes in. 
Yeah, no, it's, I think it's great that you actually pointed that out because that can be so, I guess, um, intimidating, you know, if, if you just say why and someone states something and we just say why and they're immediately kind of cornered almost. But that's, I guess, um, I guess key to coaching is to kind of build that sort of trusting, open relationship um, in order to be able to ask those questions so that people can, can answer freely in a way. And also framing the why in, in, a different, in a different manner, kind of um, specifying it or tailoring it to the problem at hand is key as well. Uh, but yeah, I think um, why is definitely not just one conversation. It can take a couple of conversations. <laughs> um, it, it just involves a lot of reframing of the question and really getting to know the client and um, tailoring your communication to them. People respond, I guess, in different ways to different ways of um, communication. So I think it's um, key to definitely bear that in mind. But I completely agree, it can be intimidating. <laughs> even, even for myself, if I, if I stated I wanted to do something or didn't want to do something and someone just says, why? I could be like, you know what? That's a great question. <laughs> so we really yeah. need to know what kind of drives us and what kind of drives our clients. And from yes. there, we can build on that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, same here. And, um, you know, my, my husband, oftentimes, he, he, I coach him when he asks for my help on certain things. And he's not a coach, but sometimes when I'm talking to him about the things that I'm frustrated about and struggling with, and he'll do this to me, he'll be like, well, why is it that you want to look at it this way? And I'm kind of every, when he does that, sometimes, sometimes I get really frustrated and I'm like, right now is not the time. I don't want to look into this, but then other times I'm kind of like, really in the back of my head, I'm thinking, why is it that I want to look at it this way? And why is it that I didn't think to ask myself the question why, you know, it's really interesting how we can kind of get so close to and trapped in our, our own thinking and our own beliefs that we don't, we don't see that there's room there to question. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, again, um, it's a case of being so close to to the problem and being so attached to that feeling, uh, depending, I guess, on your circumstances. Say if I assume you're, you're in the wrong career field and you're really struggling and you don't know which career field to pursue, something like that, because you're so close to the matter at hand, it can be so difficult to kind of, I guess, create space space to find out why <laughs> and then it's great to have people in our lives such as you know you have your husband to kind of help us in terms of redirection and to kind of refocus our energy and um, but yeah it's, it's great you have his support there yes as far as you go I think you come from a fairly large family yeah, fairly large, but we're kind of spread out over the over the globe, I'd say. Okay. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, for for me, um, the family, I guess, locally to me is quite small. Um, but friendship circle is a bit larger, but so, so it kind of balances out. <laughs> okay. So, would you say that you your support system comes more from from your friends than your family, or? Yeah, you know, I think it's I think it's definitely a balance. I have a I have a very great relationship with my mother. So that is my, my main form of support. I have some good friends and, you know, that's, especially with friendships, that's come over a period of years. I'm, I'm not sure about you. This could be an interesting topic, but in terms of friendships, I really struggled in the beginning when I was a lot younger uh, to find friends who added value to my life and I was able to add value to theirs yes. and, and identify which friendships are not working and for what reason. Mm. so key there 
What's he, yeah, what do you think? Tell me. This is, yeah, this is definitely a huge area of self-awareness too, is, um, you know, self-awareness ties into how we relate to other people as well. And you, you mentioned something really kind of powerful there that I struggled with for a long time um, with dealing with my self-esteem and dealing with my, my issues with, um, you know, inner wounds from my childhood is that I wanted so badly to just have friends that I ended up surrounding myself with people that didn't really, they didn't care about me. They were just kind of people to have around. And then really when I got into my adulthood, starting to recognize that I had formed friendships with a lot of people that weren't, they weren't supportive of me and my values and the things that I were, that I wanted to grow in, in life. And when I started to try and push on these friendships and lean on them and ask these relationships for support and for insight and for that sort of um, back and forth in-depth conversation that stimulates growth, it wasn't there. And so I kind of had to go through this whole process um, in kind of like my mid-20s, late 20s of rediscovering who I wanted to be my friend. Like, what kind of friends do I actually want in my life? Um, what kind of friends actually add value to my life? And what kind of friendships are going to support me in becoming more of the version of myself that I know I am versus the version of myself that I thought I had to be because that's what everyone thought I was. And mm -hmm. so that was really interesting for me. And then also becoming aware of why it was that I was creating the kind of friendships and relationships that I was creating in my life, which is really key to, to the self-awareness that we're talking about here. And I'm sure you deal a lot with this as, as a relationship coach in yeah. self-awareness and relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's interesting you you mentioned, I guess, your kind of journey in terms of friends. I struggled as well back, especially back when I was kind of in school and then kind of at university. I had a number of friends that I really didn't feel elevated me. And I don't know if you know the saying, but we are a reflection of the closest, I guess, five or so friends um, yes. that we have. And that is so key because they can really direct your life in a certain way if you have friends that aren't as I guess career driven as you that can really limit you because those conversations and that engagement you're having impacts you on on a conscious and and subconscious level so it's really important for me to help clients in terms of finding out what they value what kind of life they they envision for themselves and working backwards from there because you will need like-minded people around you to help you achieve those kind of targets and goals and to help you kind of create an environment where you feel happy and you feel confident and you feel elevated and you feel heard um, but with friendships um, one of the one of the main elements e even romantic relationships is an element of, um, of people pleasing and we forget to, we forget about ourselves through focusing so much on other people. And that is what gets us down a lot of the time. Um, but I mean, tell me about you with your clients. Do you, do you see that element kind of surfacing a lot in terms of people pleasing and not putting themselves first? I am. Um, people pleasing is probably one of the biggest, biggest areas of struggle that I, I work with my clients on. Um, and I find that a lot of people are very 
unaware of their people pleasing nature. They, the way that they've been sort of programmed to look at it is that they're just a good hearted person, that they're a helpful person, that they are the kind of person that likes to make other people happy. And um, so this is, this is an area that I work with a lot with my clients um, and dealing with self-awareness too, because this, we have to become aware of the fact of where our emotions come from. Because once we become aware of where our emotions come from, we can also recognize in a relationship with another person that I can't make everybody happy. I can't. It's physically impossible for me to make anybody happy. I can do all of the things that align with my values and I can do all of the things that I feel like with my perception of this person um, would give them the, the best opportunity to create happiness within themselves. But in the end, they're the one that gets to decide how they interpret that, how they're going to see it, and whether or not they're going to feel happy about what it is that I'm doing. And so getting people to see that and getting them to recognize, you know, it's not that we can't want other people to be happy. And it's not that we can't want to do things for other people. But when we start doing them at our own expense and start putting the pressure on ourselves of another person's emotional experience, that's when we start to see, um, you know, the, the falling apart of the self, you know, because we, we become this almost toxic relationship with ourselves in, in trying to constantly make other people happy and that our value comes from making other people happy. So that's one thing that I see as a common theme in my clients is people also basing their, their self-worth in how happy they're able to make the people around them. Does that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And it's so interesting that you mentioned that toxic relationship that we can have with ourselves. Most of the time when um, I get clients that, that are kind of in romantic relationships that are not sort of uplifting them or could be, could be toxic in, in many ways, it is actually a reflection on the relationship that client has with themselves, it, almost a direct uh, sort of um, reflection. And it's so key to, to have that healthy, loving, supportive relationship with yourself and, and love yourself the way you wish everyone around you would love you. I mean, that's why we, we can get into these cycles of people pleasing because we want everyone to, to value us and love us. But when have we ever kind of sat down and, and kind of measured in, in, a, in a way how much we think of ourselves, how much we put ourselves first and how in love we are with ourselves we need to be in love with ourselves in a healthy way and um, we need to and that kind of comes with the self-awareness that we touched on and only then are we able to kind of get out these especially cycles of negative self-talk um, which often breed and stem from um, our relationships that we have with ourselves that kind of drive the the relationships we have with others um, but yeah, negative self-talk is another one that is uh, closely intertwined with with this topic as well for me. And I see it. I see it a lot. <laughs> yes, yes. I see it in my clients. And I also, I mean, I feel like the negative self-talk is not one of these things that it's like you do some work on it for a couple of years and then you you never have negative self-talk again. It's, it's a constant journey. Um, and even to this day as a coach, sometimes I catch myself saying things to myself and I'm like, that's, 
probably not going to not going to give you the result that you're wanting here, Seth. So um, is there another way that we can speak to ourselves? And uh, I, I find I find also it's really interesting for me the way a lot of my clients talk to themselves, they almost aren't even aware that it's negative. It's like to them, they're just stating facts to themselves. And when you call them out on it, they're kind of like, oh, no, 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 I'm not being mean to myself. I'm not hating myself. I'm just saying blah, 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 blah. And then when you get them to see, um, well, is that entirely true? And then when they can start pulling apart the fact that what they're saying to themselves isn't entirely true, well, then why is it that you're saying to yourself? Then then they can start to kind of see this is negative self-talk. I am actually being kind of cruel to myself. And um, one of I think one of the biggest forms of negative self-talk that I see in my clients is this sort of um, regretful self-talk. So using current information that you gained from taking action or making a decision. And then when you get the result, you use that result to then go back and talk negatively to the version of yourself that existed before making that decision that didn't have this information that you have now. And I find this to be one of the most subtle, but also insidious forms of negative self-talk that I see in my clients. What about you? Yeah, that, no, that's a brilliant point there again. But I see that I see that a lot in clients, especially when it comes to comes to career and, and relationships and even everyday life. Um, and sometimes I see it creeping up in myself. I was driving the other day and I was following obviously um, Waze and um, it, it told me to take the next left turn and I just drove drove right past it. And then I was like, Lara, you idiot. And And then I realized, okay, this is how it actually starts these little comments, they kind of build up and you're not even aware. You just say it there and then, and you don't even remember you've said it, but you are listening to yourself. And um, obviously after that, I was like, okay, chill. I'm just overreacting. I'm not an idiot. I just missed that left turn. Um, so it's so important to kind of be aware of, of the little comments and the, and the small actions that we kind of take against ourselves. And in terms of... Um, as I mentioned, the, the career thing, we can feel so trapped within our career because we don't know which step to take and we don't know if we'll be good enough. And th then that cycle of negative self-talk starts that, okay, what career is actually going to make me happy? What career will I actually do well in? What if I change my career and I absolutely suck? And these kind of thoughts can trap us and often it can stem from, I guess, our childhood, maybe our caregivers, our primary caregivers and how they kind of spoke to us. And, you know, our families, especially with uh, with my family there are um obviously individuals who are a lot older different generation and they think of things very differently and um i guess right now with with mental health and coaching and everything kind of being up and coming um back then it wasn't a thing so the way they i guess um speak about themselves could be a bit more negative and you know i i definitely pull them up on that and i'm like just just relax it's not the end of the world that you missed the the royal mail delivery <laughs> it's okay you, you're not stupid for that it's just you know these things happen um but again with clients I always make sure that I recommend uh journaling and that really helps us process our thoughts and process our emotions 
and that can definitely help with uh, with self-talk and making sure that it's more positive and it facilitates a, a kind of a calm environment as well um but what are, what are your thoughts in terms of journaling have you found that that kind of helps your clients quite a bit oh absolutely um mm-hmm. with my clients I think I have them use I have a, a kind of like a wide variety of, of journaling technique tools that I that I assign to clients depending on um, where they are in their journey and kind of what they're they're struggling with at the time. I find with um, with negative self-talk one of the the best journaling techniques is what I call like um, congratulatory journaling. So when we write down um, say we're on a journey to create something. So uh, I have a client in my in out of my clients right now who did a huge move and uh, shifted jobs and moved to another city. And um, this was like a big step. And what ended up happening is some old thought patterns started coming back up because, you know, when we start feeling insecure, unsafe, when everything's kind of an upheaval, these kind of old bad habits of negative self-talk can creep back in. And so when I started noticing these creeping back in and during our sessions, I had this client start to write down on a daily basis, something that they did that they were, that they were proud of themselves for doing something that they felt good about something that they wanted to do. And they did it, even though it felt difficult or it was hard for them, or they were scared of doing it. And then um, having this client go back when they when they started to notice that voice of, oh, look at you, you're a joke. Like, what are you actually doing here? Do you know what you're doing? Come on now. Like, th- was this a mistake? Did you did you make another mistake in your life and you need to just, you know, go back? And, and I was like, when this voice comes up, I want you to read through these things that you've done, the things that you've done that were difficult, that you accomplished, the things that you were proud of, and recognize that both of the, the, this negative self-talk is just a story. It's a story in your brain. And it's not that we have to be angry with the brain for doing it. We don't have to resist the brain for doing it. We can understand that it's the, it's the brain wanting to keep us safe. It's a little bit misguided, but it's wanting to keep us safe. So we can reassure that part of our brain with these journaled sections. Like, no, I'm, I'm actually, I'm doing quite good. Look, I've done this and this and this. So I'm, I'm proud of myself right now. I'm, I'm making the right decisions. I'm making hard choices. I'm growing. Um, so that's one huge technique that I find is very helpful for my clients with negative self-talk is this kind of what I call congratulatory journaling. Mm-hmm. Sounds like an amazing technique. I'm sure that's, that's led to a lot of successful journeys actually. Um, but yeah, journaling definitely can be can be almost completely life-changing once you get into the flow of it and once you kind of create a habit out of it. Um, another technique that that often works well is, um, so I, I usually ask uh, clients to create about two to three columns on a page, right? The first column will be their actual thought, what are they thinking? So for instance, I will suck at this new job. Okay, that's your first, that's your actual thought, what you're thinking there and then. The, the second column will be uh, why that's not a fact. You know, our brain can easily process facts because, because of the trust we have in them, um, because, you know, facts establish that sort of credibility. So really the fact there would be um, you actually don't know because you have not done the job. <laughs> it's way too early to say what, about 
anything about your performance almost. And that helps to kind of create a sort of realistic perspective on the situation. And another way to um, potentially add another column or just to kind of uh, speak with ourselves is if, if a friend came to you with that exact same problem, what advice would you tell them? Would you say, you know what? You will suck at the job, but you know, good luck and we'll meet soon. You wouldn't say that. You would, you would reframe that entirely. You would say, you don't know yet. And um, that you are going to have so much support and there's learning and development in place and you have a team to support you and you need to believe in your own abilities um, and um, you know that that is something that we need to bear in mind why are we so uh, positive and supportive with those around us but when it comes to ourselves we seem to be massively lacking that mm-hmm. yes absolutely and this is a, another um Interesting thing when it comes to to journaling and trying to to go through this this negative self talk and make these shifts is you know what was probably five years ago when these self affirmations started becoming really popular and everyone was all about oh well if you if you think this about yourself just say this to yourself in the mirror twenty times every morning and then you're going to get rid of that negative self talk. And I feel like a lot of people think that this is this is kind of just how it works, is that if you think something negative about yourself, just say the opposite, and then you'll start feeling the opposite. And I find that, um, well, number one, it doesn't work. Um, but what, what I find is a really helpful way to, to approach this is to write the two thoughts down. So this is the thought that I'm currently thinking, and I don't necessarily want to keep believing this about myself. This is the thought that I would love to believe, but I don't believe it yet. So what is the next closest thought that I could possibly believe that's closer to the thought that I want? And practice asking yourself about that thought. Could this be true? Why could it be true? And journaling down the evidence that you can start, because the interesting thing about the mind is that when you ask it a question, it has to answer. So if my thought is, Um, For instance, nobody will love me, you know, and, but I want to believe that I'm a lovable person. So if I go straight from thinking nobody will love me to I'm, I'm such a lovable person. Well, my brain's going to, my ego is going to come in and be like, that's not true. And then kind of make fun of it and then reestablish my belief in the fact that I'm not lovable. Whereas if instead I looked at, okay, my belief is I'm not lovable. And I want to get to, I am a lovable person. So could I maybe be tolerable? Could I believe that? Am I a tolerable person? Can people tolerate being around me? Well, yeah. I mean, people do it every day. People talk to me every day. They're, they're able to tolerate me. So maybe I'm not completely unlovable, you know, and slowly move yourself closer and closer to that belief of I'm lovable with these sort of questioning thoughts, question the original thought, find the next kind of step closest thought to the end thought that you want to get to, and then start asking yourself questions to create evidence around these steps in thought. That's, that's an amazing technique. I love the, uh, the kind of, I guess it's a thought journey almost. Yeah, yeah. Documenting that thought journey. That's, that's a great technique because you can, you can always look back and see where you started as well. Um, that kind of leads on to looking at our progress. Why do we, 
I come across this a lot. So a lot of clients forget the progress that they've made. And as soon as something goes wrong, that kind of, I guess, <laughs> is the overarching thought in their mind that, okay, this, this went absolutely down, down the drain. I, I did this wrong. I made again, another mistake. I'm not good enough, but they forget that, that progress that they made. And um, that's why I think journaling is so key because we can really track our progress. And only when we realize how we began, can we understand the journey that we went on and the good that came out of it and our, and our growth. And growth is, is so important. And documenting that is so, so key. So for instance, if um, I get a client and they're often in, in, in a toxic relationship with someone who's who's, you know, not happy with themselves. So essentially it's two people who are unhappy with themselves and then they decide to get into a relationship. And then it often, you know, it doesn't really work. Um, and it's so important to, to change the focus and clients like that have siloed thoughts, right? Um, the most common one is, oh, if, if I leave him or her, I won't have anyone and I'll be single and there'll be no one else in the whole wide world <laughs> that matches, I guess, the connection we have. But I call that a silo thought because you're only thinking about your romantic relationship. There are so many elements to life from our career, from our friendships, our platonic friendships, from more romantic relationships, from family to, to just I guess, being uh, mindful to our own self-development journeys. There's so many aspects that are able to, to create contentment in our lives. And it's so key to look at the bigger picture that there are, there are so many people out there. And it's only when you, when you become the best you, can you attract the, the best person for you. Uh, so again, that's that's something I focus on a lot, that we need to make sure we're not using a magnifying glass on our problems. And we're taking a step back, taking a breath and thinking, let me look at the bigger picture here. Yes. And you mentioned something in there about um, tracking growth. And I feel like this would be something interesting for us to discuss here because um, I know that I, I see it. It's a struggle that I see in my clients. It's a struggle I see in myself. It's a struggle I see in our society in general is that we tend to be very result focused. And this, it takes away so much from the richness of what is in the journey. And I feel like also there's this other side to it that everyone's now trying to be like, oh, it's about the journey and it's about the progress. And it almost kind of takes away from the real depth there that is in how important the journey is to life fulfillment and satisfaction. And so I feel like I would love to talk about this. Like, what are your thoughts on this, this kind of, I guess, I don't want to call it a battle, but a struggle that we have between being either result or journey focused. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. It's a it's a great kind of point to to bring focus on. So, with our our culture and our lives, um, especially you know in terms of our jobs, it's always 
result focused, deliverable focused. And that can have such an impact on the way we look at progress. And we think progress does not exist without an actual sort of happening, without something concrete happening, then progress has not happened. To the point where even uh, taking, taking a day off, for instance, means we have missed out on progress because a result did not occur at the end of that day. And it's, it's a lot to do with our lifestyles and how, I guess, our communities are driven and how the world works. It works on, on results and has kind of drilled into our heads at, to some degree, I think. And even let's, let's go back to school. It was always based on our results. Um, it was always based on the result we got at the, at the end of our, I guess, school journey. Um, here it's like GCSEs, A-levels. It's the result you got at the end of uh, university. It's not how you actually, where you started at university and that growth that you showed. It's just your result at the end that matters. Yeah. And I think that's an element of it, that it's so drilled into our minds. That it's so hard to kind of get out of that. Um, but again, touching on, I guess, I guess the journey and understanding that progress is subjective yeah yes that's not to say that results aren't progress they are but it's also to say that results that aren't concrete to you is also progress taking days off is progress um having having coaching is progress journaling is progress sleeping sleeping is progress um but it would be great to get your thoughts on that um because i really think that people define progress in a very limited restrictive way which yes. impacts how they are able to achieve that progress but it would be great to get your your insight on that yeah so this is i have so much that i could say here so for me it's um the way that i approach this with my clients is i use a model called um high involvement low attachment and so what this means is that when we're on a growth journey so we we have to sort of create a future image of what we want from this journey. And it's inevitable that the mind is going to create sort of a physical image of what this is going to look like. So if my goal is to become, um, okay, so my goal is to become a successful coach. We'll just use that because I'm a coach and obviously I want to be a successful coach. So when I say I want to be a successful coach, my brain immediately goes to work with creating these images of what, what my life would be like as a successful coach. And the goal with, with the journey would be to go after that vision. So working from that vision backwards to where I am, what are my steps that I'm going to take? What did I do to be that? Because I'm already that. So it's kind of like if I imagine I am everything that that future vision of me in my head is, I'm already that person. I'm just uncovering how I did it. Not how I'm going to do it, but how I did it. And so if I go at it from this belief, then everything I do, every step that I take, if I get a different result than the result that I anticipated happening, well, it's just, if, if I already know that the inevitable end of this journey is that I'm a great coach. So what, what was it that I got from this result that is getting me closer to being that version of myself? It might not have been the result that I wanted, but if every result that I get along the way is there to push me closer to this image of myself, then what was it that I needed to learn here? 
So for instance, if I create a coaching program and I think, okay, this is going to push me towards becoming the, the best coach out there, you know, best, the, I'll be the best version of me as a coach and not, not a single person buys the program. So I could look at that as, okay, well, see, this is my proof. I'm not a great coach. I'm not going to be a good coach. But if I already know that the end is inevitable, then I can look at this and be like, okay, so this isn't the way that I did it. So what is it that I learned from doing this that got me to my next step that will get me to the goal? So it becomes this cycle of where every, what everyone calls a failure is not a failure. As um, Thomas Edison said, you know, I, I didn't fail a thousand times. I learned a thousand ways that you don't make a light bulb. It's that, that's that. what it's all about. It's, it's not about looking at when I get a different result that somehow I've failed. Well, no, it's not that you failed. It's that there was a lesson there that you wanted to learn. So what was that lesson that you wanted to learn? And how was it going to pull you closer towards that inevitable image of yourself that you know is what I am. That is what I am. And then the second aspect of this is, again, um, when we talk about the high involvement, low attachment part. So of course, we don't want to be attached to just the result because the result will always end up, we, we don't have control over the result. The result is something that a billion other things have impact on. And all we have control over is the action steps that we take, which is why being focused in the journey is important. But then there's an element of also having a low attachment to the form of what it is that we want to create. So for instance, I, my goal is to, we'll go back to the same goal. My goal is to be an amazing coach. Well, what if I end up working in a hospital as a, um, or no, not in a hospital. Say I end up working as a personal trainer in a gym. So I'm not actually a life coach anymore, but I know that my end goal was to be a successful coach. Okay, so what is it that I wanted to get out of being a successful coach? What makes a successful coach? It's someone who is helping people change their lives and inspiring them to look at themselves in a different way and inspiring them to ask questions in an area where they never asked questions before that push them towards growth constantly. And the question is, so my in form, I'm a personal trainer. That's my label. How can I create the essence of being a successful coach in this form? And then in that case, I'm still making progress towards my goal. And that's where, that's kind of my take on how the journey is more important than the result. Because when we get tied up in the result, we get tied up in, we almost restrict ourselves. We put ourselves in these boxes of, this is what I have to be. Like, I have to be labeled as this and it has to look this way. Otherwise, I'm not successful. Otherwise, I failed. Instead of seeing that, there's an essence to this journey that you're wanting to go after. And the results are going to be all over the place. That's part of the journey. That's part of what we learn when we go after these goals is that the reason we want to go after these goals is there's something inside of us that says, if I chase this, I'm going to bump into all of these obstacles along the way. And every one of these obstacles is a lesson that I want to learn. So it's almost kind of like we're getting a little bit spiritual here. Our soul knows that if I go after this goal, I'm going to learn these things. And that's actually what it's all about. 
It's not about the, do I have the million dollars in the end? It's about when I chase after these a million dollars, what am I going to learn along the way about myself that's going to fulfill me in my life? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. It's interesting you shared that, to be honest, because results is something that you know crops up a lot in my coaching sessions, but not directly. You know, people, um, I, I help them set, obviously, you know, goals and, and targets and things that they want to do. And that's essentially results. And that's the first thing they kind of measure their progress on. Um, they being my clients, that they think that if they haven't reached this particular goal by a particular time, they have failed on everything, right? But I think it's important to convey that a result is also the start of the journey. Starting the journey is a result in itself because we have to think of how many people actually never get that opportunity to start the journey. So it's so important to reframe what we regard as a result. And, and time is also, also a key element here. We want everything done by yesterday. <laughs> we, we are not a patient society. We, we want it all done here now. Um, but again, a lesson in that is always to develop patience. And whether, whether you're spiritual, whether you're religious, whatever your views are in that area, I think we can unanimously agree that, that patience is is something that really helps us in our journey on life. And it's something we all learn in one way or another. And, and when you mentioned um, attachment, I've often found uh, that clients get very attached to particular goals. And that leads to overthinking and overanalyzing, which can kind of lead to, I guess, self-sabotage in a way, because they've just overdone it. They've overdone it. And that's why it's key to kind of have managed that attachment. And it, it kind of links in well with attachment styles when I look at relationships. And um, again, it shows anxious attachment, for, for instance, is when I guess you're, you're too attached and, and you're scared of, of almost losing that attachment. But, but yeah, I'm going off on a tangent now, but attachment comes in so importantly with, with all areas of our life. And we need to make sure we're managing that and not regarding it as, as failure if we don't reach a goal in the way we want to. And we can reach our goals in, in many ways and learn many lessons that actually make the goal much more rewarding um, much more kind of growth developing and can lead to to contentment in more areas areas than one and when we're looking at, at goals and targets and one of the key um goals that I guess we all uh, have had at some point or still do is I want to be happy but happiness doesn't happiness is not a goal it doesn't actually exist because what our brain regards as what's going to make us happy is purely based on our past experiences which are limited in themselves because there's no person on this earth who's experienced it all right so for instance if we're looking at career we assume okay this career is going to make me happy so i need to chase this career but really how do you know that's going to make you happy? And happiness is, is of course, not sustainable. We need, to find, we need to find contentment in that journey and be patient with ourselves and, and be focused on, on ourselves, our progress, and not be so, I guess, results-driven or restrict ourselves in terms of what that goal looks like. 
but it's great that you mentioned working backwards from something and envisioning you are already that person that's something that works really well because it it takes the pressure off of clients and I think once you reduce that pressure you stop all the overanalyzing overthinking you stop kind of sabotaging yourself which is key to kind of creating that I guess life that that you've always um, imagined for yourself yeah absolutely I think you you also hit on something really important there with this, the happiness goal. Um, and I, I do, I hear it all the time in our space as coaches, people, their goal is I want to be happier. And while I applaud the, the fact that, of course, you know, we don't want to slip into these sort of very negative self-talk depressive states where we're just constantly down, down, down. But at the same time, life, we experience life as humans in contrast. We can't experience happy if we don't experience sad, because if we're only ever happy and we never experience sad, then happy isn't happy anymore. It just is what it is. And then we don't even recognize it as happiness. And I feel like it's important that we recognize that happiness is not the goal. Happiness all of the time isn't the goal, because if that is your goal, then your goal is to literally not be human. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this is a really important, and for some people, it's maybe a hard pill to swallow, is that we're not supposed to be happy all the time. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, Once we recognize that experiencing all of our emotions is a beautiful thing, and that no single emotion is bad or can hurt us. And so I feel like this is another really important thing to look at is, yeah, happiness is not the goal. And that's, I don't mean to, I don't mean to attack any coaches out there, but if you have a coach that, that is telling you that the goal is to be happy all of the time, ask lots of questions. (laughs) Because (laughs) I would say that maybe there's, there's a little bit of confusion there. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, and it's, again, it's something that society in general has, has kind of put a, um, a focus on. I mean, look at, look at Disney films, for example, futile example but let's look at them in the end they lived happily ever after she lived happily ever after she was happy when she got this and happiness is so focused on that we we assume that's the ultimate goal but but happiness and sadness are ever fluctuating and are not constant but what can become almost constant is contentment and contentment comes from from it doesn't come from our results it doesn't come from our targets it comes from identifying what what areas we want to work on and being comfortable with what situation we're currently in and making that progress and taking it day by day and taking baby steps not taking those leaps and start running and towards something it's so important to kind of look at look at it like that for for my clients, I've always found that I, I stress contentment because I know that that is something that is a, a lot more sustainable than happiness and making sure that we're not attaching our happiness to a particular goal. So for instance, if, if I said, you know, a bit like your example earlier, I want to be a successful coach and that is what will make me happy our brain understands that as, okay, nothing else will actually make this person happy. So we need to make sure nothing else ever does. So we will continue chasing that goal. And, you know, success, again, is so subjective. 
you know, you could early on, you could define success as having X number of clients. Yes. On that journey, that number of clients ex- increases. Actually, no, I want more. And then it, and then it goes into more and more and you're constantly pushing yourself and you forget why you started. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that bit is so, so integral uh, to, to reaching contentment in, in more ways than one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, again, it's that chasing that happily ever after from the Disney movie. You know, we, we, <laughs> we think that the goal is to get to this, this point in life where everything is just perfect and nothing goes wrong anymore. And we're always happy, but here's, what's interesting about these Disney movies. Have you ever noticed it always ends with, and they live happily ever after they don't make the movie about the happily ever after. Do you want to know why they don't make the movie about the happily ever after? Because it would be boring as hell. If everything just always went right, everyone would be like, oh my God, this movie is so stupid. Click, turn it off. Nobody wants a life where everything is always just perfect and going right and everything is always happy because it, it doesn't provide us that contrast. It doesn't provide us that stimulation. It doesn't provide us with our humanity, our ability to experience all emotions. What makes Disney movies so powerful and so entertaining and to watch is to see these characters go through these struggles and to make something out of those struggles. And that's what inspires us. But it's interesting that what we take away from it is that the goal is to get to the happily ever after. We miss all of the journey that happened in the movie and the fact that that's the part that we actually enjoyed. That's the part that inspired us, not the happily ever after. I would love to see um, Disney put out a movie called Happily Ever After, where they just like, went through, say, with Snow White and Cinderella and then just made a movie about what was the happily ever after like and see how well the movie goes over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, uh, that, is, that is so true. The, the thing that keeps us so engaged in, in, those, uh, in those movies is the journey, the journey of that character. And even, even in, um, in, uh, in other movies, let's not even limit it to, to Disney, every movie, every series, especially series right now, they're so they're so huge now with Netflix, etc. We are so engrossed and and interested in the journey. Mm. We are not interested in the end result because that, as you said, would be so boring. It would be dull. We want excitement. We want things to be changing. We want challenges, and we think we don't actually want that. And that's why when the challenges come up, we're like, oh no, this has ruined my life. But really life is about the journey and our deepest in interest. And, you know, even, even evolutionarily speaking is, is growth, is our journey, is, is developing our skills, learning. Those are elements that, that drive us. And actually when we lose that, that is when we get anxious and we get frustrated and we can get we can get this stuck feeling like I feel stuck in my current lifestyle I don't know what what to do like nothing is changing like am I stuck am I going to be this forever having this sort of crisis yeah (laughs) Um, but yeah that that's definitely so important and such a such a vital aspect to bear in mind when we're looking at the concept of of happiness the concept of journeys the concept of what um what drives us yeah. as humans and i think where we live in a world now where immediate gratification is just available everywhere and so we've actually reached that point where we have the option to stay stagnant 
And so many people are choosing that because they're afraid to step in the, into the discomfort of growth because they've been told the goal is to stay comfortable, right? And before the goal of always staying comfortable actually drove us towards growth because it was like, okay, well, if I always want to be comfortable, we need to figure out how to do this and we need to figure out how to do that. And then we have to create this. And well, now we've got all of that. And so comfort is everywhere and everyone is living a life where it's, it's, their goal is to just step from comfort to comfort to comfort to comfort. And I think that's caused a lot of people to forget that how we got here, how we got to this place where we're reaping all of this stuff was from the people that sowed in the discomfort before us for so long. And that if we sit in the comfort of reaping constantly, we become stagnant and we stop growing. And we don't want that as a society. We want society to grow, but in order for that to happen, we need to, on an individual level, choose that discomfort of growth. And I think that's, we're in a very interesting time right now when it comes to human evolution. Before it was all about, evolution was external. It was about changing things in our environment and creating new technologies. And yeah, we're still creating new technologies, but um, it's like human evolution 2.0. It's in the mind now. Our next step in evolution is all in mindset. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And right now it's such a, it's such a massive thing people are, are focusing on, especially with this, with this pandemic, it's impacted so many people, um, you know, positively and, and, uh, and of course, negatively. And even those that didn't really have a, an interest in mindset before, and, you know, I've got a quite a few clients that were just not even interested at all. They say, oh, you know, that's all kind of like wishy-washy stuff. My mindset yeah. is fine. I know what I'm doing. I don't need you to tell me. And now they've kind of come to this point where they do want some sort of external support and they want an external support system that, can um, objectively help them set and reach goals or even create a, a life that that they envision for themselves and that they want and elevate themselves in certain areas and and that's what kind of coaches are there for I think we all specialize in our particular areas and it's so key to kind of look at what you want to kind of grow and develop and then and then find a coach that you click with and and just eat, try out a few sessions, see if it helps you. Because I've had coaches before as well. Um, especially um, early, early on in my journey, I had coaches to kind of help me look at things, I guess, objectively and help me get out of my mindset rut. Um, and that triggered a whole sort of journey on, on the self-awareness and being able to, to own my power and then uh, supporting sort of others to to do the same but coaches are, are invaluable when it comes to stuff like that yeah I think we live in a very interesting time to be a coach right now I feel like because especially riding on the kind of the heels of the the pandemic it's there are a lot of people out there that are scared that are um, recognizing the pandemic sort of forced them to wake up to this is the path that I'm on, you know, before they could kind of keep themselves so busy that they weren't paying attention to what that what was really going on in their life. And I feel like the pandemic forced a lot of people to have to slow down to the point where they were like, huh, I didn't actually realize that this, this is my life. Okay. So this is where I am. And um, I feel like it's a bit sad that I see some people allowing, allowing this sort of realization to 
slip them into more of a, a depressive state into more of a I'm hopeless state. But I also feel like there's this huge, massive opportunity there right now. And there are a lot of people that are using this to, to recognize, hey, it's time to do something. And I think we're in a very powerful time right now to there's a shift that's going to happen. And I feel like us as coaches kind of get to guide where that shift is going to go. The more people that we can get their attention and say, Hey, Hey, don't, don't go back to sleep. Let's wake up. It's time to wake up. The alarm went off. Let's get up out of bed and let's, let's do this thing called life. So. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's so important to kind of be, be able to support people in the way we can, especially, especially right now. And I've, I've, um, come across a lot of uh, new clients who because of the pandemic uh, they've been I guess uh, working from home or uh, they've they've unfortunately lost their jobs and then when you're at home and the world was almost still for a while during these lockdowns uh, it was especially you know I, I live in London and things are so fast-paced you literally don't know what you're doing and whether you actually enjoy what you're doing <laughs> so having that moment of quiet has really allowed people to realize what is actually in their life and whether they want that in their life so when they're working from home and they're actually doing their job and they're thinking you know what I absolutely hate this work how have I been stuck in this work for so long? Or if they're at home and they're with their partners and they're thinking, you know what, there's been so noise in our, so much noise in our lives with work and extraneous stuff that we haven't been actually able to recognize that we are not, I guess, the, the best compatible couple or there are elements of our lives that that are not aligned and maybe we're better suited elsewhere and kind of identifying problems in our relationships because, because everything has slowed down. Everything's quiet for a minute and we can truly look at things um, and understand whether that is right for us or not. And I think that's an amazing part um, of this pandemic is having that ability to understand, am I on the right track? Am I on the right path? Is this, is this what I want to pursue? And that again, touches back on our initial point, self-awareness, because you know, self-awareness drives our, um, our power and owning that power only comes with, with being acutely aware of our situation. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. The pandemic I think has woken a lot of people up to recognizing stuff going on in their life that, like you said, the noise before didn't kind of drown out what was actually going on. Um, even with me and my husband, you know, granted with us, it was a bit different when the pandemic hit because my of my husband's job, his work actually got crazier. Um, and also with me, when the pandemic hit, you know, having to shift everything over to being online coaching and uh, the influx of clients that started happening because of of the pandemic and people, you know, taking interest in coaching we actually got to a point where we started recognizing some patterns in which we weren't supporting each other well enough um, because life was almost, I don't know how to work, maybe too easy for us before. So we had never really had to really dive into being there for one another. And so the pandemic sort of brought awareness to some areas that we had kind of let sit by the side of our relationship and we hadn't really strengthened. 
And the, the pandemic definitely brought some awareness to us and like, okay, we want to work on this. We want to be able to support each other through situations like this. Um, of course, we didn't anticipate a situation like this occurring when we got married, but the reality is in life, it can happen. And so that's, yeah, I feel like the, the pandemic has been a huge growth opportunity for people to recognize areas in their life that otherwise they might not have recognized were being neglected. Mm-hmm, definitely, because um, as you said, it helps us understand in terms of alignment, whether the relationship we are in um, is aligned with us or it actually helps us strengthen our relationship, which was which is what you've been able to do with your partner. So it's it's amazing how how it's changed um, our lives in ways that we would least have expected. But I mean, I guess it does take a pandemic to, to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, we we are a species that we we tend to wait for crisis before we take action. I would like to change that pattern in humanity, but I feel like that's where we are right now. And I think that's why the and, and I, I hope I don't offend anyone here, but um, I feel like that's kind of why the, the pandemic happened is the universe recognized we needed a wake up call. Something something had to shake us out of our discomfort. Uh, or out of our comfort and into some discomfort yeah yeah no definitely it's it's really woken us up and and helped us focus on things that well I guess lost lost in the gray area things we didn't focus on before you know even developing hobbies that is another thing that I've worked with clients on to help them develop hobbies um that are engaging that that they enjoy that bring them um, happiness or, or satisfaction um, that help them with their with their growth or with their learning if they want to undertake some new courses and that's something we didn't have time for before or we just overlooked but there is there are of course negatives to this pandemic and and it, it's heartbreaking to to know about those but there are if we look closely there are there are positives yes absolutely. and for, for these kind of issues, I think the best thing that us as coaches or just individuals in general can do is to get our mindset right. Mm-hmm. And that will allow us to deal with challenges and setbacks in such a constructive, productive and, and healthy way. Um, so working on our, on our mindset is, is really key to creating that that thought process that actually helps us helps us push forward and not crumble when things go wrong or when something unexpected happens. Yeah. Or to be more, more proactive in our growth journey and not, not waiting around for another crisis where people, you know, have to die in mass numbers for us to finally be like, Oh oh crap, something is going on here. We need to, we need to step up. Um, So yeah, I, I feel like, this is, this is something we're also really becoming aware of here and very important because as you said, yes, it's while as a coach, what I help my clients with during this, the, the times of this pandemic is to look at what it is that we can, what it is we can take from this and learn from it. But at the same time, that's not to diminish the fact that of course, there's, there's a lot of sadness here. There's a, you know, people lost a lot of loved ones. Um, and so of course it's not not my my intent to take away from the sadness of that but to recognize that in in every situation like this even in the sadness 
there's something there that we want to see. There's something there that we want to learn. And whether that's learning to appreciate the lives around us even more because we recognize how quickly they can be taken away, how fragile life can be. And um, so, yeah, I, f- I find that in, in general, this has been a massive growth opportunity for all of us. Massive, mm-hmm. massive growth opportunity. Yeah, no, it's, it's forced everyone to look within for, yeah. for sometimes the first time in their lives to look within and, and understand themselves and see what is important to them and start valuing relationships uh, around them as well um, or start to kind of align themselves with relationships that, that are best suited to them so it's it's definitely been a life changer whole game changer this this pandemic and um it's so key as 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 coaches it is our job to kind of be able to reframe sort of challenging and and stressful situations and be able to understand opportunities within those and and identify those opportunities for for ourselves for our clients and and for society in in general yeah absolutely Absolutely. All right. We've been, we've been talking for quite a while here and I know you have a busy day ahead of you. So um, I'm going to uh, let you go and I'm going to get some information from you so that I can put this in the podcast notes for how people can get um, in touch with you. So for anyone listening, if you're interested in having more discussions with Laura or getting in contact with her, maybe about her coaching help, then um, look in the show notes. I will, I will link in the show notes ways that you can get in touch with her and find her on social media. Um, I believe she's on Instagram, YouTube, um, and I don't know what other social media platforms, but I will get all links from her and those will be in the show notes below. So you guys will be able to get in touch. Um, Laura, do you want to say good, goodbye to everyone and leave us with a final thought here? Yeah, no, uh, thank you again, Seth, for having me on. It's been, it's been such an insightful conversation. <laughs> I can't believe how many topics we've, we've covered in, in a short period of time. Um, but, but the main takeaway I can, I can give to anyone kind of listening to this is to let this be a sign to begin your journey and, and let this podcast and this conversation uh, trigger the start of your journey and, and help you embark on, on a journey that is hopefully successful, that leads to, to your happiness and most importantly, your, your contentment. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was really, really awesome getting to talk to you. Um, all right, everyone, that's all I have for you all this week. And I will talk to you all next week. Ciao. Hey, thank you for listening in this week. I hope you enjoyed the content of this episode. If you did, please subscribe or follow this podcast to receive the newest episodes every week as I bring them to you here on the Connect Your Health to Life coaching channel. Ratings, reviews, and comments are always appreciated. These allow me to know more of what my listeners would like in the podcast and allow for more people who may be searching for a podcast just like this one to find the Connect Your Health to Life coaching channel. If you would like more information about me and the work that I do with my clients one-on-one, then please visit my website at www.slch.ch. Again, that is www.slch.ch. You can also find me on social media on Instagram at sethlusk underscore coaching. Again, that is sethlusk underscore coaching. And on Facebook 
in my free Facebook group community called A Healthy Life Connection. We would love to have you in the group, and it's only three membership questions that you have to answer to join. And again, it's entirely free. And if you need any further information or just want to say hello, feel free to send me an email directly at slusk.health at slch.ch. Again, that is slusk.health at slch.ch. Thank you again so much for listening, and I look forward to our next time together. Ciao.